man can't stand, he can't fight. A man can't breathe, he can't fight. A man can't see, he can't fight. Extreme situations require extreme measures. Man, what a time to be a Terry Silver fan. It's it's what a time in the world here. Yes, and now the real podcast begins. <laughs> if you're wondering who that voice is, um, I hate to inform you, but Terry Silver systematically ruined Badway's life and he quit the podcast. So I had to get a, a, a special guest here, host for, for this special episode on Cobra Kai here. Welcome, Chris, to the podcast. <laughs> Welcome, Chris. I, I love when a plan comes together. Thanks, Terry. <laughs> this no, is seriously thank you, thank you, Drew. Thank you for having me on. Anytime, man. Hey, this is um, a special episode. I'm gonna call it episode eighty-one point one. I guess maybe we'll see if I actually stick that when I edit it. But you know, I thought it would be fun since you know Badway did have a, a different commitment, and we wanted to stick to our release schedule here. We're gonna give you a bonus. We wanted to do a show on, on Cobra Kai, and I'll intro to you to Chris in a second, but we thought this would be a good opportunity to do this. But before I get into that, if you're looking for the website, the website is thelastrowpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at thelastrowpod, facebook.com slash thelastrowpod. Head out to Spotify, hit the subscribe button, Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. Thanks to everybody that left one so far. Also on Podchaser, we can leave some reviews now too. Thanks, Chris. You actually left us a review. Yeah. <laughs> so thank, thank you, you for that. <laughs> thank you for leaving my podcast a review. See, that's how this works. Absolutely. <laughs> just leave each other reviews. <laughs> yeah. But I just wanted to intro uh, intro you, Chris, because you know if there's anyone that's going to do a podcast on Cobra Kai here with me and you know Terry Silver... The only other Terry Silver enthusiast that I know, you know, I got to intro you here. So t- tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. And just thanks again for for jumping on the show and, and doing this with me. No, thank you again for having me on. Uh, this is this is a big thrill. The Last Row is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. And I'm, I'm completely serious when I say that. So thank you. This is this is really great. This is an honor, honestly. Um, and yes, Bad Way will be back next week. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I am not here permanently, so don't don't unsubscribe. Yeah. Please. He might have to get uh get Terry Silver after you then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well he'll he'll send Snake and Dennis. They'll they'll yeah. be on the <laughs> on the case. Exactly. But no, thank you. Thank you again seriously for having me on. I love talking about Cobra Kai, so anytime I get the chance, I will absolutely jump on it. Thank you. And, and and if you guys don't know, Chris has a podcast too. Uh, Chris, plug your plug your podcast because I know we, we mentioned it before, but just I want to give you a chance to tell people in case they're interested in your show too. Sure. So I do a podcast with my wife called Pro Wrestling Repackaged, and it is about wrestling-related TV shows. Our first season, we covered the new NBC sitcom Young Rock starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And our next season is going to be dedicated to the upcoming Stephen Amell show heels on stars so if you like wrestling at all or just a little bit you'll probably find something to enjoy uh in the show it's not that wrestling centric to where you you wouldn't be able to enjoy it but if you do like any of the shows that we will cover you'll probably find some sort of enjoyment in it right now we're actually doing some bonus episodes where we're talking about wrestlers appearing on sitcoms and we just did an episode talking about vader and mankind's appearances on boy meets world which was uh quite a bit of fun so if you're interested in that you can check that out at pwrepackaged.com that's where you can find the links to subscribe and everything and to all the social media and stuff like that 
I'll put a link in the in the show notes for everybody, and and I can personally attest. I'm everyone that listens to the show knows I'm a, a unabashed uh, Boy Meets World fan. So go check out Chris's <laughs> show. They did a they did it justice for the the Vader the Vader appearance specifically was was great. But thanks, Chris, again for that. And I'll, like I said, I'll put the the items in the in the show notes so everybody can check out um, your show if if they're interested in checking it out. So. Um, since Badway's not here and, and, you know, he's maybe somewhere where Terry just ruined his life, I'm going to turn it to you. Like, we're talking about Cobra Kai. I pulled a plot synopsis. Why don't you uh, tell the listeners a little bit about, do, do the honors and, and take, take it over here for a second. Don't mind if I do. Don't mind if I do. So this episode's about Cobra Kai. It debuted in 2018. It's created by Josh Heald, John Hurwitz, and Hayden Schlossberg. IMDb score 8.6 out of 10. Too low. Too low. But yes, too low. <laughs> Rotten Tomato score, 93%. Too in low. my opinion, still too low. TV.com, 8.6 out of 10. Too low. <laughs> way, way too low. And any anything lower than a 10 for me is 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 just yeah. a, a little too low. Exactly. 34 years after the events of the 1984 All-Valley Karate Tournament, a down-and-out Johnny Lawrence seeks redemption by reopening the infamous Cobra Kai Dojo, reigniting his rivalry with a now-successful Daniel LaRusso. It's, it's not a bad synopsis there. We've had worse. I think that's pretty factually <laughs> accurate. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty factually accurate. It's hard to find a synopsis that encompasses three seasons of a TV show, but I think that one does it pretty pretty much justice. What that's the nuts and bolts of it. That's what that's yeah. what you need just to just for the jumping on point, I think. Yeah. Short short and sweet. I pulled some taglines from IMDb. You know, we talk about that on the show. I know this is a weird special episode, but let, let's go through these because there's one in particular that I love that I think you're going to like too. But the, the first one is kind of weak. This was the season one tagline, but it said, the Karate Kid saga continues. I think that's, right. it's not clever enough in my opinion. <laughs> more more just descriptive than anything. Yeah. It just lets you know what it is, but it's not really, it doesn't have the zing to it. Yeah. They, they needed to get to season three because apparently there was none on IMDb for season two. But the next one is pretty great. And this comes in when whenever you can incorporate like a number or some type of wordplay into the into the the text, I like this. It says Cobra Kai never dies, but Kai with three eyes. So I'm a fan of that personally. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Season three. <laughs> same, same. I love the Kai. Yeah. Never die. I love that. Yeah. I guess it could be like Cobra Kai, like you're yelling it yeah, too. When you're, yeah, it is it is often yelled throughout the series, so it's it is very fitting. You know, for season two, I don't know if this was ever on any posters or anything like that, but for me, the tagline the unofficial tagline was always cruel summer. Yeah, there you uh, go. Especially with that great cover by Kari Kimmel. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. I think that that's kind of fitting for season two since there wasn't one. Yeah. I think that's a good one. And then the third one that I had was just never dies, which is, again, shortened to the point. <laughs> we we talk about financials when we do movies here. I know we're talking about a show. I don't know that YouTube Red or YouTube Premium or Netflix at this point is going to reveal their budget. So basically, it's a who knows. And the cumulative worldwide gross, obviously, that's a who knows too, because YouTube didn't like it enough to keep it going and they 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 switched it to Netflix. I would I would love to know what the financials are for this show and how many people signed up to Netflix to actually like view this show because I can't imagine there was a lot of people on YouTube Premium. I had it YouTube Premium because I've got their music subscription because I'm I'm, you know, just a, a Google fanboy here, but just in general like I don't know how much money they spend on this. It seems like they're not skimping on budget though. Honestly, from everything that I've seen and and heard the creators talk about, they don't have the biggest budget, especially since they shot all 
three seasons that we've seen up to this point on the YouTube budget. And from what they've said, Netflix hasn't been that much bigger, surprisingly. So they do a lot with a little, it seems like. But I'm willing to bet that it wasn't a case of YouTube not liking what they had. I think they they knew what they had. They just knew that they couldn't. Yeah, they couldn't control it, and they they couldn't give it the home it deserved. So I mean, uh, it, I think it worked out for everyone that it it wound up on Netflix, which is where they wanted to be to begin with. Yeah, I think they're getting they're getting way more audience members there too. To your point, and I think it's funny because you know we we joke about Google, but there's that what is it the website killedbygoogle.com or something? <laughs> yeah. Like add this to the list too because you know they they couldn't like you said they couldn't really support it. But before before we jump into the some of the topics. I think it's just maybe fair game to give the listeners, if if you haven't seen the show, we're going to talk about spoilers here all through season one through three. If you haven't watched the show and you've been meaning to, I highly recommend that you go do that if everybody pretty much has a Netflix account these days. So it's out there and it's a super easy watch. I, I found that I binge this show very easily in like a day or two because it's like a 30 minute episode or less. And it's only, what, like 10 episodes per season or something. So it's a really easy watch. If you're a fan of, of Karate Kid on any level, you know, you got to go out there and watch this. So that's your that's your spoiler alert. So you're, you're fair game to talk about whatever you want, Chris, here as we as we nice. talk about this. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and also the highest possible recommend from me, from me as well. I know I am a virtual stranger to your audience, but it is my favorite show maybe ever, maybe uh, at least number 1.5 <laughs> so I, I i couldn't possibly recommend watching it enough it, it is very easily accessible on netflix right now and i think you can still even watch it on youtube premium as well yeah. so in case anyone has that go seek it out <laughs> it, it is it's worth it it's it's even worth plunking down 10 bucks for yeah, I, I would love to know the intersection of audience members that have YouTube Premium and don't have Netflix. <laughs> I feel like it's such a weird mix of people. I mean, maybe I was one of those at one point, but that would be interesting. So before we jump into this, I'm curious about your take on on Cobra Kai as a series. You sent me a link to some videos about, you know, just basically, you know, Terry Silver, you know, like I am a Terry Silver fanboy, as everybody knows. I'll shout back out to episode 13 our uh, original episode, the Karate Kid Part 3 colon The Ballad of Ter- Terry Silver, as we so coined before some guy on Medium stole our title. <laughs> Just having said that, we we speculated like what might have happened after the series, and we didn't know at that time. I think we did that show in 2015, me and Badway. I had no idea that they were going to ever resurrect this thing. I had hoped that they would at some point. Did you ever see this coming? You know, talking about Cobra Kai as a series and, and just as anything, like, did you ever see that this would come? No, I I never could have anticipated uh, what was in store with Cobra Kai. I think because we've seen things like this attempted, you know, in the form of movie reboots and and sequels, you know, very late sequels where it just doesn't work because you don't have the right people at the helm and they don't understand what they're working with here. I think the fact that the big three, Josh Heal, John Hurwitz, and, and John Hurwitz and Hayden Slosberg, I think the fact that they kind of zeroed in on this franchise as something that they want to expand on and create a world around is the only reason that this works and the only reason that we're still talking about it now and that it wasn't a one season wonder or never even made it to season to series because 
it's so easy to screw this up. It would have been so easy to take the concept of the Karate Kid and flip it on its head, but not in the way that the big three did. Flip it on its head in the way that Barney Stinson would have and make Daniel the villain and, you know, come at it from that more of a satirical end. Mm -hmm. But to do it with the, the respect for the source material and the nuance and just the understanding of the world that the creators have done it, it not only pays tribute to the original movies and the original series and that original screenplay, but it expands on it and it enhances my enjoyment of, of it. And as someone who I consider myself a very big original Karate Kid series fan, it's my number two franchise right behind Back to the Future. I hold it in very high oh, regard. Yeah. It has a lot of emotional weight for me. This has only enhanced my enjoyment. So no, I could never have seen anything as good as this coming. It's crazy, man. And, and when I think about this and, and we could talk about uh, let me just ask you right now. Of the of the first three movies, what's your favorite? Which which one's your favorite? Is it is it three? <laughs> I know that's like that's a layup of a question, I guess, but because <laughs> you know my answer. You know, I'm gonna probably blow your mind, but it's two. Really? Yeah. Really? And I, I, I can't really give you a straight answer as to why. Obviously, the first one is is the classic. And it's like when people talk right. about Back to the Future, it's like the first one is untouchable. And then people have varying degrees of, well, the sequels were okay, but, you know, mm -hmm. either they got progressively worse or they think three is better than two. For me, I don't know why I like the Karate Kid part two the most. I, I think I just really enjoy just the fact that they went to Okinawa, even though it's in real life Hawaii. But right. I just enjoy that aspect of it, the adventure that they're both going on, you know, Mr. Miyagi and Daniel-san just kind of being almost like this Doc and Marty-esque yeah. pairing. And I kind of just, that it's just kind of a, a comfort. It's a movie I watched a lot on repeat when I was like doing papers and reports and things like that for school. So it was something that I always kind of would just throw on. The Karate Kid Part 3, though, I guess is kind of in a way, also my favorite because Terry Silver is my favorite yeah. character in the entire franchise just because, I mean, look at him. Like That's, that's all you need to say. It's I mean, Terry Silver. So. I'm going to have to link, I'm going to have to link the, the, the video series that you sent me on Terry Silver analysis because, yes. you know, I didn't know such materials existed on the internet <laughs> until you they, sent that to yeah. me. And they, they didn't before, uh, up until very recently. Yeah. This was, it was like we were all just these weird, closeted Terry Silver enthusiasts wandering the earth and not connecting with each other because we had no reason to. But thankfully now we're all, uh, there, there's, there's a conversation and Terry Silver is now part of pop culture. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> funny because and on one of the videos that, that you sent this, you sent to me, and we were talking about this before we hit record, one of the things that I thought was, was cool was Thomas Ian Griffith, right? Like, you go back and and we talked about it again, episode 13, go check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. When we did the Karate Kid 3 episode, like he put on an acting clinic. And and honestly, there was a comment on on one of the YouTube videos that that said something along the lines of just, I hope that Thomas Ian Griffith knows and appreciates how much he's loved by the fans. And, you know, back in the day when when the first when the third movie came out. It probably was hard because, I mean, there wasn't social media. There wasn't a way for fans to interact with celebrities outside of like fan mail, I guess, right? Or maybe like showing up to like a movie premiere or something. This guy was young in his career. It was his first movie. You go look back at that. 
And now when the season four speculation was coming out, I mean, even back in the very beginning, right? Season one, people were like, when's Terry Silver going to show up? Because that was the last thing that happened in the in the series, right? And And now people are saying... Man, I hope he knows. And it's like, well, he better know because when that teaser dropped for season four, like people lost their minds. Like people like me, I was going berserk. I was so, I'm so excited. I'm still excited. <laughs> I, I am, yeah, still beside myself with excitement to the point where Terry Silver is the wallpaper on my phone lock screen. Like that <laughs> level of excitement. Like at the, at, at the end of season three, when Kreese makes that call i was standing and yeah. I, i'm I'm not even ashamed to say there were tears oh, coming from awesome. my eyes <laughs> and my wife is looking at me like why did i <laughs> why did i marry this person <laughs> but like it's just i don't know and i don't i don't think he knew i don't think he could have had any idea especially because you know the director and writer of the karate kid three that wasn't at all what they had envisioned that wasn't supposed to be the movie. Terry Silver only exists because Martin Cove, who plays John Kreese, was doing a pilot at the time. And because he was working on that series, he had to divide time, so he couldn't do any heavy lifting for part three. So that's where Terry Silver comes in. And I have the feeling that as it was being made, it was just kind of like, eh, well, we're mailing this in. And I just, I couldn't... <laughs> I could, maybe in terms of story and, and some things like technically, yeah, I guess it's not the best movie, but like Thomas Ian Griffith was a tour de force in oh, yeah. that movie. He's, he is that movie. It's he's, amazing. He's an absolute blast. So I kind of almost categorize it as like, there's the Karate Kid part one and two, then there's Terry Silver, then there's the Ballad of Terry Silver <laughs> yeah. to quote you and and not the Medium article. <laughs> And then there's then there's the next Karate Kid, Jaden Smith. But Terry Silver for me is like no, that is his, that is his, his his stamp on the series is he that's his movie, and everyone else just happens to be in it. I totally agree with you, and and we got a last road podcast hashtag or colon. We'll get to that later. We we have a lot of Terry Silver speculation to get through towards the end of this episode as we as we talk more about maybe season four. But before we jump into maybe the next topic. Do you think when you when you signed up to to watch the first season, did you watch that on YouTube Red? Like, did you oh, sign yeah. up to watch YouTube Red just to watch it? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was very early on. It dropped in the summer of 2018 or May mm -hmm. 2018, and I would have been like first few weeks. I yeah. would have been signing up to YouTube Red to watch it. At first, when I saw the trailer, I didn't quite know what to make of it, and I was a little bit afraid and i had that moment of like yeah i don't know is this gonna be like leaning into like oh look how wacky this universe like is and kind of like a deconstruction in comedy form type of thing so i wasn't quite sure especially based on the first trailer that came out and then i watched the first episode which i think they put up like the first two for free it was free and then from i didn't even wait till the second i signed up for a free trial of youtube red devoured the first season yeah and then it was just you know the long wait for season two and then it just somewhere along the way, I just realized like, yeah, I never realized that I needed this, but I did. <laughs> and it made me an even bigger Karate Kid yeah. fan. And like those were movies that I'd go back and watch every year anyway. Yeah. And like now I have a reason it's to gear up for a new season of Cobra Kai. So, yeah, I, I was a YouTube rep before YouTube premium, even before yeah. the rebrand. So that's yeah, exactly. how that's how, you know, almost day one. So I'm I'm. Very happy for that. <laughs> you you said it best earlier too, as you were talking about it. 
when you were talking about what you weren't sure what to expect, I agree with you 100%. Like, I didn't know what to expect going into the series. And maybe this is a good segue into some of the characters. But before I say that, the the piece that I, I think you nailed earlier was the fact that you said they seem to have a good respect for the source material. And it wasn't something that was a deconstruction or some comedic aspect or comedic, uh, let's turn this into some parody of itself. Like, they knew... It seemed like the the creators and the writers they knew what they had and they 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 approached it with like a respect and and a, a reverence almost that it deserved, but it also had some funny moments. Like, I mean, it's not completely serious, but at the same time, it has like what it needs to be. It is, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's the perfect mixture to me of comedy and drama where it needs to be, and a lot of the drama is heightened because of the world right. we're talking about. You know, a world where karate and the Valley is as big as football in Texas. Like it's, it has to be heightened, but the comedy is, is so there and it's not the kind of comedy where it's just like, we need a joke here. It's just natural occurrences. And it's just the interactions between the characters, which are very, very well written. And it's just, yeah, they couldn't do any of that without the respect that they have for the source material. When you're talking about a movie like the karate kids, like either, either you love it and you embrace it or you're, doing this project ironically and as a gag and if you're doing it for that like then why even why even you bother? know they they had to convince so many people they had to, to convince ralph macchio and billy zapka and and martin cove and you know get robert mark Kamen, the writer get his blessing and just so many people had to be on board for this to work and you couldn't have done that if if they didn't have the utmost respect for it because as the writers have said this is their star wars yeah and i'm with them on that for me too like this is this and back to the future like those are those are my franchises like that this is what i live for and like just the fact that you know we got something of of such quality you know with this series it, it's still kind of like i almost kind of like, don't believe that it's actually like, is happening. This real? Yeah, like, is this, yeah, like, when we got that Terry Silver teaser, just like, oh my God. how? Like, how is this? <laughs> I can't I wait. I remember I'm... the very lonely feeling I had, like, four or five years ago of watching The Karate Kid Part 3 and just being like, surely I'm not the only one who realizes what a blast this guy is. And then <laughs> going on Twitter and just searching Terry Silver just to see if anyone's, you know, making funny memes or tweets. And then finding a podcast called The Last Row, <laughs> who had a new episode out about the Karate Kid Part 3, colon, The Ballad of Terry Silver. So I was just like, all right, I'm on board. And then I, obviously, I click play. And then from there, it becomes one of my favorite podcasts of all time. It, it I just, I couldn't, like, I couldn't believe that there were other people out there who felt, like, I could believe it. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know, maybe I'm just really weird because this doesn't seem to be a, be a very well-regarded movie. But there are people out there who, like, gravitate towards this movie because of him and the fact that they understand it is another thing where they could have easily had the reverence for Daniel and Mr. Miyagi and Johnny and all that but the fact that the big three are like no Terry Silver yeah we're bringing him in he exists you know everyone this expanded universe it all is valid you know we could see Julie Pierce from the next Karate Kid like who knows like yeah we can we could see Michael Ironside as Colonel Dugan like anything is yeah. fair game so like I'm so down for whatever they do at this point because they've they've earned that trust oh they absolutely have and and I think you know like you said I, I think seeing where it was going like I always hoped that they would get to a Terry Silver moment and I think you know we're we're seeing we're seeing the fruits of of the waiting and the labor. Uh, but let's jump into some of the characters because 
I think I want to maybe touch on like Daniel LaRusso, Johnny Lawrence, some of the big players. We'll talk about some of the tangential characters. You know, I know that the 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 next generation of people like Daniel's kids, Johnny's son, all these other folks are, are important characters. We'll maybe touch on them as we go through it. But I'll start with Daniel LaRusso. Think about like the beginning of the series. They they ended the last Karate Kid. I think in our episode, uh, our our episode on Terry Silver, we joke that maybe Miyagi and him died after this. You know, Terry Silver actually killed them, and then we found out that that wasn't true. <laughs> not not how we speculated in episode thirteen. Daniel LaRusso has an auto dealership or set of auto dealerships, LaRusso Auto. So he's selling cars in his life. He seems to be very successful when the series starts. He's got a family. I mean, he's he's doing pretty well. He's in a happy marriage. Does he have what it takes to be a dealership owner? Is he only... Like, the question I have to you is, what do you think his success is? Is, is he good at his job? Or is it because he's doing karate chops and and he's the All-Valley champion and people just want to go buy a car from from this, this person that won this thing? I'm curious what your take is on this. Okay, so I'm of two minds about this. Because on the one hand, if you look at the Karate Kid Part 3... He brings this total used car salesman energy to that role when he is trying <laughs> to sell Mr. Miyagi on opening up the bonsai shop. The bonsai shop, Like, yeah. total used car salesman, what can I do to get you into this bonsai yeah. shop today type of energy. <laughs> like, to the point where I'm almost like, did he, like, is he, is Daniel the character coked up right now? Like, what is going on with him? So he, he totally has that energy to where the point where, you know, I'm watching Cobra Kai for the first time. I'm like, oh yeah, of course he's a, he's a, he's a car salesman, of course, because it's that seemed job. like, it seemed like the natural progression, but also because of, you know, Mr. Miyagi giving him that classic car and, and just maybe that kind of planted a seed and, you know, fill in the gaps from there. So on the one hand, I thought it was such a natural role for him and such a natural career. On the other hand, though, I think Amanda is the brains of the operation. 100% agree. I, the day-to-day, I think she is she is making it happen. Couldn't agree more. And she is more. more of the figurehead, the face of the company, the gimmick, if you will. I think Amanda is the real, the brains behind the family and the operation, yeah. if we're being well, honest. He, he's like he's like the mascot of the place, and, and she's like doing, doing the actual, like you said, the actual business and the actual work. Because you even see it, right? Like he starts neglecting his business like throughout the series as he's doing some of the stuff with Miyagi-Do and all that. And, and Amanda is sitting there basically keeping everything afloat between the family and the business, to your point. Uh, I, I agree with that 100%. And, and I do wonder how much of that it's like, you know, he's essentially a celebrity. So that's where he's getting his business from, you know, LaRusso Auto and people are coming in there. They want to take a picture with him as, as he's, as he's karate chopping, uh, <laughs> you know, where else do you think, what else do you think about him where he is with life? Cause you know, I'm surprised, you know, you're in California, like I get the all Valley competition is a big deal, but I also think, you know, in California, it's not like, like I live in Pennsylvania here and there's like some smaller towns here where like, okay, this one team won the state championship years ago. And that becomes the thing that you talk about for 35 years. I never really got that impression from, I guess, where they're living, but maybe I'm wrong on it. I don't know. I guess he is really the biggest deal ever because he was kind of like this amateur that came in and won this thing. I don't know. <laughs> I think you don't get a sense of that until you start to see him take pictures with yeah. customers doing the crane kick pose to the point where it's like, yeah, to a certain pocket of people, this is a big deal. And like, you even have the characters like Dimitri, like poke fun at this. Like this is go, this has been going on for yeah, 50 for years. Like, how, like I, so I think that they treat that with a sense of, you know, come at it from a comedic aspect, but also yeah. it's like, no, this is, 
like judging just based off of the movies, it's like, yes, this is this is a big deal. This is a a major event. And this is of the utmost importance, at least to this pocket of people, to the point where we have advisory boards and this, you know, this rich history of this tournament. And, you know, I, I really think that he a lot of it is is him you know, coasting off of that, at least in terms of the way he markets himself and his, but to him, it's not a gimmick. That's just his life. And that's just how he finds balance and, and finds his, his inner, his inner peace and his inner Mr. Miyagi. But I think again, that a lot of that goes back to Amanda too, because she in real life and in the dealership, she brings him back. She pulls him back to a sense of, of grounding, which is exactly what Mr. Miyagi did. So in that sense, she's kind of like the Miyagi surrogate and like, at the same time dealing with him with this like these comedic quips that just they that just fly which when you think about it is exactly what Miyagi did as well you know just in a different different style of comedy a different type of sense of humor but Daniel needs that so I think so much of his success and just how far he's gotten his life he can probably attribute to you know Amanda coming in his life at maybe just the right time yeah. you know when when he really he needed that because he'd be totally lost without Miyagi like forget yeah. about it <laughs> oh my god yeah and he, he I mean he still has those moments throughout the series where he's like down and out and he's got to go into like the dojo yeah. and he's like looking at the picture and just kind of meditating or, or doing you know some of the the mental like you know karate aspects of trying to he's missing him a lot I mean he was a big big part of his life you know he's like his mentor and his friend and uh you know it's it's an interesting angle on that. I think you mentioned something in the beginning too that I wanted to to ask you, but you mentioned about how the series could have went with the angle of like him as the villain. I wanted to ask you, do they, because there was all this stuff, right? Before the show came out, there was all the internet speculation of, oh, was Daniel the actual villain? It was like BuzzFeed articles or whatever the hell yeah. they were. And this was like the hot topic to talk about. Do you think that the series sort of admits he's the villain or do you think it's more gray? I'm just curious, like, how do you feel the series has handled his character? And we'll talk about Johnny next because that's the that's sort of like the antithesis of Dan- of Daniel. Like, do you think that the, the series has handled his character well? Do you like where they took it? I'm just kind of curious, as a, as a huge fan of the series, what do you think about the way that they've they've tackled him? I think that they've done it the way that they've done everything else, which is pulling back the veil of the 80s and showing yeah. you you know, there's much more to this type of a story than the black and white. Whereas, you know, in the 80s movies, we know that Daniel's the hero just just, just based on certain music cues and things that are meant to evoke a certain feeling And when we watch it. And obviously just, you know, the formula of that type of a movie, an underdog story. But we watch these things today and there's so much anti-hero content out there and there's so much, oh, but you thought it was the villain, but he's really the hero, that type of thing. <laughs> and a lot of that I just kind of roll my eyes at, like these deconstructions yeah. of Cheesy. the way we tell these stories. But I think this does it in such a great way where it's like, he's both like in certain situations he is a villain he acts villainous in it at times in this series you know his actions towards johnny and cobra kai and and at times johnny comes out like looking completely like the innocent party but then you can flip it around in so many other situations and i think this series handles it in such a great way and i guess when we talk about crease we can really dive into it is that neither of these boys would be acting the way they are if they hadn't been touched by this influence of John Kreese and in 100%. very different ways and, and how they how they respond and react to it. So I think what it tells us is that, you know, we go through things, we have these experiences and we may, you know, even have trauma coming out on the other end, but how we 
respond to that is our own responsibility, which is what I take away at least from the larger, some of the larger themes that I think they're presenting. And I think you said that very, very eloquently and way better than I could have ever put that. <laughs> I mean, no, for real. Like, and I think maybe, it, maybe it's, it's, we, let's talk about Johnny because Daniel's one aspect of this, and you mentioned it, right? Creases that sort of underlying, like almost like ominous person that affected their lives to your point. And the thing that I found just so, I don't know, maybe it sucked me into the show was just the way that you got to know more about Johnny. And from my perspective, I just, Johnny's my favorite character in the show, like hands down, just because I, I like to see what his background was, where he came from. And you didn't get that in the 80s movies, to your point. Like you just knew, okay, Daniel's the hero. It's very black and white, just as you described. Whereas maybe there was something behind the scenes here going on with Johnny. You know, you found out about his family and the, and the, the pieces about you know the, the the rich versus poor aspect of things. He's very much you know he was this this rich kid in the first movie where he's you know at the country club and all that stuff. And then you start seeing him now, and he's basically you know the super at this hotel or the, not hotel the apartment complex, and he's living you know sort of down and out. And and the series starts out with him in this rough spot and. You know, the series, I got to give them a lot of credit. They really made me feel for him. And I just kind of instantly gravitated toward wanting to learn more about his character. And I think they handled his arc, they handle his arc so well to the point where you really get to know him. And even though he's doing things or maybe teaching these, these kids things that aren't really great, I can kind of relate to why he's doing it, even though, you know, if you asked me in real life, I'd probably be more associated with like Daniel because I believe in more the Miyagi-Do side of things, not the Cobra Kai side, you know, strike hard, strike fast, or mercy, um, all that kind of stuff. So I'm curious what your take is on on Johnny. Like, do you feel that, you know, do you, do you relate more with him? Do you feel like, the, you know, he has like maybe more of a reason to be the way that he is? Just curious what your take is. I'm completely with you. Like, I, I feel like I could have said that exact same thing. I, I think that's really the benefit, though, of how one-sided the original movies were in, you know, for all of the villains that it presented is that maybe not in the case of Terry Silver, we do get to know, you know, a little bit more about him. But especially for Johnny, it's like we only see what Daniel sees for the most part of him. So to be with Johnny in these moments that have nothing to do with the hero of the story it like it gives you so much more of a of an introspective view into him and it it's hard not to root for him when you actually see that especially since the tables have turned and we see him so down on his luck and then we see you know Dean Martin <laughs> Daniel driving around listening to Dean Martin and, exactly. and just being you know can just completely uh you know on on the upswing of life and Johnny being on the complete opposite end of the spectrum but i think that that then presents like such a great like no these guys are two sides of the same coin and like they could either of them you switch the positions and it, it would be the exact same way because of again that outside influence from crease but when they actually get in a room together and can talk to each other without you know there being <laughs> fisticuffs <laughs> involved they actually get along and they have more in common than they thought which is what i love the most about this show i think it, had we gotten more of Johnny in the movie, I don't think that this show would be possible because there's I nothing agree. more to explore, you know? I agree. And and it's funny, like, you were, as you were saying that, 
part of part of what I found myself gravitating towards in like the first season was like just rooting against Daniel in a weird way. I don't know why. Like I just was on Johnny's side because I felt like you know he was down and out. Like he was in a bad situation. He he was stuck in this this. I don't know. His life was kind of in a spiral, and he was just trying to get his get his stuff together. You know and. Daniel already was in this place of privilege. It was like the exact opposite of what you think you saw in the original movies, you know? And there was just something, I don't know, there was something about Johnny where I was like, man, I, I just was rooting for him. Even though he was doing stuff that I was like, man, I don't know that I would be teaching kids this or whatever. And it just was such a weird feeling. And I found myself almost thinking like Daniel was cheesy and I was sort of, and I went back and forth on it, you know? It's like a conflict where I'm like, wait, wait a second. Like, I actually like Miyagi-Do and this this is the right way to do things. But I'm I'm watching it. I'm like, okay, I can kind of understand this. And this is where I wanted to ask you about the 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 students and the pupils because you've got Miguel in here, who's this this young kid who's sort of you know, and they they're, you're showing how this works for these different people as part of different parts of life. And now it's like that next younger generation. He kind of has that arc himself, and it's tied into directly to to Daniel, and and I guess that ties into Robbie too, which you ultimately find out is is you know Johnny's son. So how do you think that plays in? And and did you have any like preference for one side or the other? For me, it becomes three-dimensional as soon as Johnny and Miguel meet. Because then it's like, wow, we have this character where we can see all sides w- within him. We can see so much of Daniel in him, but then we see a lot of Johnny in him, especially as it gets later in that first season. And just the fact that you can have, there are multiple characters where I feel that way. Like they are, there are both Johnny and Daniel at the same time. Like there, there are multiple characters within both dojos. And to the point where I, I feel like it's, it's such a, 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 just a bold statement that they are making of, yeah, no, this is like, these guys are two sides of the same coin. And so can any, like anyone can be that depending on who their mentor is, depending on the person in their life and where we start with Johnny to the where we end up with him once Miguel is in his life. Miguel is such a positive mentor for him in this weird like role reverse reversal mentor. way. Yeah, yeah, it's like he brings so much out of Johnny that was always there. It, he just never had the opportunity to to express that. And then Johnny brings so much out of Miguel that was always there that he never had the ability to express. And mm-hmm. they benefit each other in that way. And then, sure, it goes too far, you know, in certain instances. But that's the that was the case with Daniel as well. Like, it, it all really depended on, who, like, where he was at in that moment and who his who his mentor was, who he was listening to. I think, like, the one of the, the probably the biggest theme of the show is mentors are really important. The people yeah. in your life who are who are shaping you are are really important. Whether it's your parent or another family member or or chosen family or whatever, not chosen from Karate Kid Part Two, but yeah, <laughs> and that, and that's another thing too. It's like. Again, when we can sit down with these people that we have these these bitter rivalries with and and just hash it out, it's like we find that we have more in common with them than than we thought. So I think that's probably the best thing about the show. And where it gets really interesting is where you see these kids repeating the same mistakes that Johnny and Daniel repeated. And, you know, history repeats itself. It's a line from you're the best around by Joe Esposito and yeah. it never made sense in the original movie. Uh, that song was originally supposed to be in Rocky three, but it totally makes sense when you take it in the context of this show. Yeah. With how much history repeats itself. 
It's crazy, man. And like you mentioned with the mentorship and all the different things, just even looking at how they're all learning from each other and you're watching them repeat some of the same mistakes. And and I, I got to give acting credit, man, to, to William Zabka. Like he he deserves awards for his his job on this show. Like yeah. he's done such a good job of playing a serious down and out guy, but he's got like comedic aspects that he's really good at. Like I didn't realize how good of an actor he was because I've I've not really watched other things with him in it, but I have to give him all kinds of credit. Like he's he's really nailed the role and he's taken it to another level. Like people always wondered, oh, what's going on with Johnny Johnny Lawrence? Like what is what's his deal? And I think William Zabka has just done such a good job of portraying the Johnny Lawrence character to like a new generation of viewers and. Even people that have seen him in the original trilogy, I just have to give him a lot of credit. A lot of credit. Especially with how pigeonholed he was coming out of that first movie. Totally to where he was always just the bully in, you know, insert 80s movie here. And then he like kind of toiled away in the 90s doing these other like offshoot martial arts shoot fighting movies to where he didn't really have the chance to even kind of stretch out and and expand and and show his his depth but he really has that and especially now you know you, you figure with age a lot of that also comes and he's just sure but just for the career that he's had in the career he could have had it's like it's such a shame but i'm so glad that he's getting his props now and like we can give him his flowers now like i just he really does deserve yeah some sort of award and honestly ralph macchio too i feel like like <laughs> you know for as as much as people might want to say about you know, the karate kid being cheesy and Ralph Macchio this and whatever. Like, I just think everyone is so good in this yeah. movie. You know, in, in the original movie, you you had Pat Morita giving just a amazing performance. And like to rise to the level of that for these actors is, is something that I'm sure that they're not, you know, it's not out of their mind that that's, that's what they have to live up to. And I honestly think that everyone all across the board and even the kids, I just think everyone is so good in their roles yeah it's 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 great it's just a very well cast show i definitely agree let's talk about crease because you know i think the movie or when the show came out you know i don't know like we said earlier they knew what they were i don't know if they always had the end game in mind like when their first season came out maybe they did they probably had this arc that they had written out i hadn't read anything that that talked about it. i'm sure that it existed but you know when when we got the impression hey maybe crease is going to show up that was pretty intense in itself. I mean, we'll talk about Terry Silver in a second, but where the hell was Kreese? What was he doing since the Karate Kid 3? And like, what was he doing before he showed up? They they haven't really talked about this. He's like a grifter or something. Like, yeah, there, what's there's going still, on? There's still a lot of gaps that I don't think, I don't think it's kind of like the Joker's backstory. I don't think we'll yeah. ever have the definitive one. I don't know if we'll ever know specific details. He's alluded to it definitely at at times within the series he's talked to johnny and he mentioned a war buddy of mine offered me a job but it felt like a handout you yeah. know that type of thing but it was, it's so vague and and again like timelines with him and and his character he just he makes up you know just flat out fabricates so many stories that he's not a, a reliable source of information so i don't know if we'll ever get that but 
what I imagine is that there had to be some sort of animosity or hard feelings after the events of the Karate Kid 3 between yeah. him and Terry, whether or not either of them will admit it. You know, I, I think that there was probably definitely, you know, distance there, you know, definitely with Mike Barnes. Like, I, I think that there's I think that there's just legitimate heat between Mike Barnes and those two. But for them, I think they probably lost touch, you know, at, at the end of season three, Kreese he calls who we believe is Terry Silver and he says long time. I think he means that. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if they necessarily interacted in between. Um, I can definitely speculate about what Terry Silver has been doing. I'm in curious your take on that. <laughs> I, I, but I think for just in terms of crease. Yeah. I, I think he's probably just been maybe been around different homeless shelters. I mean, you could take the route of, Maybe he started doing like shoot fighting. If you want to like look at the roles that Martin Cove yeah. did after the Karate Kid movies, he did the shoot fighter movies with William Zapka. So I could easily see that being something that the character of Kreese <laughs> could have gotten into, especially like the dawn of MMA, you know, in, in the nineties, I could have seen him maybe being involved or at least very interested in that, yeah. something like that. But from there, I don't know. It, it just seems like a, like a sad story, like any way you slice it. And it's funny because, like, I look at everyone, obviously, they look older. He looks really damn old in this show. <laughs> like, you look at him, but he's still in pretty good shape for, you know, the fact that he's wearing sleeveless, you know, karate yeah. geese and stuff. I got to give the guy credit. But he definitely looks, you know, everyone looks older, but he looks pretty old. I'm curious to see how, you know, it seems like in the teaser, Thomas Ian Griffin still has the ponytail, whether it's real or a clip-on. We'll see. I would like to imagine that it's real. He's been growing Oh no, out. He's, he was growing his hair out. I think That's awesome. the, the thing that tipped off a lot of people was when Josh Gad did the Reunited Apart special yeah. for, for the Karate Kid, Thomas Ian Griffith was on the call and oh. he had long hair and he kept a very low profile like from part three up until yeah. recent years. So the only photos you saw of him were was with this like very short, like almost Ted Danson-esque haircut. Yeah. And you know, that was something that tipped off a lot of people like, ooh, like he could be getting, getting ready? ready, growing the hair out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All us Terry Silver enthusiasts online yeah. here thinking about this. Yeah, I definitely think, um, let's let's talk a little bit about Terry Silver in a second, but maybe before we get to that point, what are some of the other characters maybe we didn't touch on, people that you like in the series so far? Of all the three seasons so far, is there any other favorite that you have? Or I know it's hard to say favorite or least favorite. So yeah. you know, is there anybody else that that you found that you really liked, you gravitated towards that they've done a good job with, whether it's part of the younger generation of kids, the older folks? What what what's like your take on that? Well, I'll I'll start by saying that I genuinely do enjoy the young cast just as much as I enjoy the legacy cast. I I really do. Uh, I Miguel for me is an easy one that jumps out just because Same. he ties in so much with Johnny. I think for me, Johnny and Miguel as a package deal would probably just be my favorite thing about the show. Yeah. I just think that there's so much there to love, honestly. Uh, me too. Just, just with their relationship. For like one specific favorite character just on the show outside of that, I don't know why necessarily, but I've I've always gravitated towards Hawk. Yeah. And it's it's the type of thing where as soon as he took the turn to become Hawk and then, you know, oh, he's just going to progressively get worse and worse and basically be like be like the Dutch from Johnny's yeah. old gang. He's going to be like that type of figure. But eventually knowing that with this series, he'll probably come around. And when he does come around, it's going to be a really gratifying moment. So to get that in season three, I was 
so on board for it. And that was one of the moments that told me that, yeah, he, I think he's probably like one of my absolute favorite characters from the show. I'll say that, and I, when I say I disagree with you, I don't disagree because it's, I hate Hawk, but I respect him. And and here's why I say this. Got to give the actor credit, right? You get these actors that do such a good job of making you hate the character. But I also say that I could see where his his like troubled past is, you know, because he clearly he had the uh, the issue with the cleft lip, and 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 Johnny said that in the beginning, right? What that's the first thing that people are going to notice you by. So you got to get a gimmick. What's your thing? And he comes back with the hawk. And he was so much of a bully. He 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 like went heel so hard that it, you could tell it was a front for like lack of confidence and all this kind of stuff. And I like that it was kind of nuanced in that fact. And again, the actor I don't know his name, but Jacob Bertrand. Him, there you go, Jacob Bertrand. Got to give him a lot of credit. Like you, you, you know, I think about like Game of Thrones, like with Cersei Lannister, like Lena Headey, like she does such a great job of making you hate her. I got to give the actor a lot of credit. And for sure, when I say I hate Hawk, I don't hate the actor or the character. It's more like I hate what he does to people, but I also see the troubled nature that he has. You know what I mean? So it's like a nuanced character that's really well done, I think, in the show. For sure. And he's he's doing his job so well and they're doing a, a great job writing the character. But I'm, I'm going to say something that I, like, I don't know if this is going to blow your mind. But to me, I said that there was a parallel with Dutch, but to me, yeah. Hawk is the parallel with Terry Silver. He kind of is. For the young, the young crop. Yeah. Because Terry Silver, as we know, starts out as Twig. And what does he do? He basically jacks his friend's style and grows a ponytail and, and steals his style and, and gives people something else to focus on yep. and with the slick back hair. And that's exactly what Hawk does. He flips the script in that way where he comes back with the mohawk and the attitude and the swagger. And we still see the moments of Eli peek out from time to time. And we haven't seen that with adult Terry Silver. We haven't seen Twig pop out. So I'm very curious to see, and you know, this gets into speculation territory, mm -hmm. but I'm very curious to see if we'll get if we'll get any time in between, maybe like, maybe like deep, deep Dynatox lore, yeah. you know, or like <laughs> early days of Cobra Kai. And we see the interaction between Crease and, and Silver where the, the balance of power is still that Crease is, you know, Crease is in charge and Silver is still kind of, of subservient. But then at some point that, that flips. So I'm interested to see where they go with that. If we get any more, if we get flashbacks or anything kind of on that order. I, I love that you went there and I I think let's just jump to Terry Silver's speculation because I think it's a great segue. The, anything else I was going to talk about doesn't matter because when you bring up Terry Silver, we just got to go there because, <laughs> you know, that's that's how my mind works. But I love what you said about maybe, like, especially when they did the flashbacks because that was one of my favorite parts of the most recent season, just seeing where it is. They pulled the full fake out on me because I really believed that Terry was the guy that had the ponytail in the flashback. I didn't make the connection. Maybe I wasn't paying attention right or whatever, but it seemed like they were trying to make you go down that yeah. path. Then when they said the names at the end, you know, it was really interesting. But I, I thought, you know, the 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 backstory that it added, and we talked about Crease before, but the backstory that it added to Crease, it gave him a little bit more to relate to and you could understand him. But not only that, it started to show you the relationship that they built going all the way back to War Buddy days. And and they mentioned that in Karate Kid 3, but you don't really know much about it. You just know back in Vietnam. But I really loved where they were going with that. And I'm so excited to see, especially like what you said, 
if there's anything in between, you know, Vietnam after Karate Kid 3, like what happened in between? And how did Terry Silver turn into the CEO of Dynatox? Like, how did he take his life from, you know, point A to point B? Like, it's just so interesting to me because we don't know any of this. And it's like exciting for a Terry Silver enthusiast like me. <laughs> and and it's it's also just so important to the whole story because none yeah. of this would exist without that promise from Terry to Crease. You know, I'll, I'll, anything you need, I have your back. You know, I owe you big time your whole life. That promise, that is why we have this entire this entire story. And it just just to think that it was such a last minute, you know, afterthought, yeah. oh, let's just throw this in, kind of just throwaway thing in the Karate Kid 3 to the part where to the point where now we have an entire series that is exploring that and going deep into it. And how deep they go, I guess, still remains to be seen. But like I'm just like running wild with with speculation <laughs> just thinking about where they could possibly go with you know not only crease's backstory and exploring more of that but yeah getting more into terry silver and how dynatox became a thing and what dynatox really even <laughs> is, is it <laughs> it does it still exist all these questions that we <laughs> That that have just been burning inside of us yeah. for all these years. Well, it's crazy because, like you said, they just kind of accidentally made this amazing character because they because Martin Cove had a conf scheduling conflict, and it's just amazing to me how, looking back on it, you know, people do treat the third movie as like, oh, you know, I see a lot of articles now where it pops up and it's like the third movie's garbage. It's not really that good, but watch it for Silver or hey, the third movie's garbage just in general. And I'm like, it's really not that bad if you if you have like the right expectations going into it. And the fact that Thomas Ian Griffith puts on an acting clinic and gives us this amazing character, it just adds so much to it. And the fact that you said it ties everything together because had they not made that promise back in Vietnam or coming out of Vietnam and and even just him rescuing him for season three or, or sorry, the third movie, we wouldn't even be here where we are. John Kreese wouldn't be a thing. Like it wouldn't even, it just wouldn't exist. So Terry Silver is such an integral character to the story. Like I can't wait to see where this is going to go. What What do you think they're going to do with him? I'm just curious, like where are they going to take this? <laughs> it, it, and I, there are so many, so many directions that you can go. So I'm, I'm always the wait and see type of person. I don't yeah. like go into anything with preconceived, especially this show, because they've, they've kind of earned that trust for me for yeah. like, no, I, I go in with just, uh, you know, open eyes and an open heart and I'll see where they go with this. Cause I genuinely have enjoyed everything that they've done up to this point and they've earned that trust. But for me, like just to think about Terry Silver existing in modern times, like <laughs> I'm assuming he moved out of California at some point, Probably due to the damaged reputation, you know, scandals didn't blow up quite as big as yeah. they do now back then. But at some point, I think maybe even just for just the culture, maybe he moved out of California. Yeah. Like maybe he lives in Vegas. Maybe he's in Colorado. Maybe maybe he maybe he operates out of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Like who, who like <laughs> it, it, like as far as that, like I think the scope of that is could be whatever they want. I could definitely see him like being involved in just like all of the the current day shady things that you could possibly be like he probably has his own form of cryptocurrency. <laughs> Terry coin quick quicksilver <laughs> quicksilver coin <laughs> quicksilver coin <laughs> like like just there's there's i feel like there's so many modern day situations that where you could so just true. insert him like he could probably be 
the figurehead of an environmental group. Like, and just like the total facade of how he presents himself before the fight at the end of the Karate Kid 3s. Oh, Karate gave me discipline and taught me about honor and fair play and all this crap. And you you know that it's he he's lying through his teeth. Like I feel like that's just him in his business dealings and I feel like he he expands upon that. So I could totally see him being like maybe even like the head of like an activist group while simultaneously also destroying the environment. Yeah, like that's it's the a type facade. of yeah, I, that, that's the type of guy I feel like Terry Silver is. Oh my God, dude, you nailed it. Because well, what, back when we did our other episode, go back and listen again, it's in the show notes. We were like laughing about it because, you know, think about in modern times, if a CEO temporarily paused their duties as a CEO of a major corporation <laughs> and then just decided to like wreck and ruin a teenager's life, like what kind of scandal would that be in modern times? It would be like, yeah. it would be on every news channel ever. Like would their stock tank? I mean, we speculated this on the episode, but this would like be irreparable damage to like his reputation. Like I'm so curious to see how they're going to handle this whole thing. He would immediately be ousted. You know, there, there, it would start with board, a long Twitter, a long Twitter meeting. thread. It, yeah. would, it would, it would start with a really long Twitter thread detailing all of the abuse that he, that he, he inflicted upon exactly. Daniel and you know like I honestly I could even see Mike Barnes being the whistleblower like, yeah I, honestly because that's part of part of where I think the story goes is that I think there's this huge falling out between he, him and Mike Barnes and maybe even taking legal action against Mike Barnes to recoup the 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 weekly draw that he was giving yeah. him leading up to the fight like I feel like there could be either some sort of legal action taken or maybe if he preferred to keep it you know off the books maybe even some other sort of retaliation yeah. towards Mike Barnes so I feel like where we where we could possibly see Mike Barnes and this is jumping ahead but like I feel like we could see him in a place of where he wants for revenge against Terry Silver. 100%. You know, the the way he probably feels the way about Silver that Johnny felt about Crease at yeah. the beginning of the series. That that's the thing too with even with when you go back to Terry Silver and Barnes, like their relationship's super interesting as well and I'm I'm curious if Barnes is going to show up in this or if they're going to do kind of a season 5 thing with Barnes maybe set that up. But I was thinking about Silver too in the way that was is it like let's say, let's say he's down and out now and is, if his life is in ruins is he going to want to come back now he sees that Crease is in in trouble now he wants to come back and get revenge against Daniel or somebody because you know maybe he lost his company maybe he lost some of these other things i'm so curious to see where they're going to go and then you said in the beginning of the episode when you saw the teaser and you saw the ponytail and you see him standing backwards, which I'm going to use as the picture for the cover episode, I think we need to do. I think that's what it has to be on the website for this, <laughs> like the the silhouette of of the ponytail, right? I mean, that's like part of why the villain scale exists on this show because <laughs> of the ponytail. I mean, he is the quintessential man with a ponytail, the villain with a ponytail. I just, I can't wait to see where they're going to go with this. I'm so excited. And the fact that Thomas Ian Griffith is deciding to come back for this like, what a treat, man. I'm so excited. I'm just so happy. <laughs> I was worried. I'm going to be honest. I was worried that maybe he'd be like, nah, I'm leaving that behind me. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not, especially just because of the reputation that the Karate Kid 3 has had, you know, for all these years. 
and again, like we said, I don't think he knew how how people felt about it. But now that we can we can give him his flowers, I think he's totally on board just from seeing like behind the scenes photos of him just being like all smiles, which is totally weird to see him with the silver ponytail in a gi and just be smiling from ear to ear because he just looks like he's having just an amazing time. But I I, I feel like he doesn't even really realize what he did yeah. back then and, and, and how much there still is in the tank for that character to the point where they could even, they could call back to things in the Karate Kid 3. Like his assistant mentions a grand jury that, yeah, yeah. that he said, bribe him. him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What if that didn't work? You know, yeah. He could have maybe he did some prison time, you yeah. know, like we don't know, like and and that ties into another thing as well. He says, you know, bribe them, uh, talk to the D.A., Willie Cole, have him over for that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. That could easily play in because this is another theory that people have. The name Willie Cole could be related to Tom Cole, who is Daniel's rival car dealer. Yeah, the car dealer so, guy. There's people, you know, the creators, they don't do things like that on accident or they don't just throw that out there. So there could be some sort of tie there. Maybe that's how Terry once again makes it his mission to destroy Daniel LaRusso and everything and everyone around him. Maybe he's, you know, he's sabotaging cars in the LaRusso auto (laughs) lot. He's he's sending out Snake and Dennis at night to do that. He's maybe he's somehow sabotages Daniel's deal with Doyona that he just made. You know, maybe he's he's planning fake stories about Daniel in the media. I could easily see him having ties to like these like super right wing yeah, like media outlets. Yeah, like I could totally see like that type exactly. of Exactly. Man, it's funny. You know, if we if we don't get at least one business deal in a bathrobe or some type of <laughs> phone call in a sauna or a bathtub, I'm gonna be disappointed because you know, I hopefully he still has that swanky, like he had that like Mayan style house where it had like Mayan architecture and all of this crazy stuff. Hopefully he's still got his money. Hopefully he's still got his his place that he lives in. But I'm hoping that we at least get one of these crazy business deals going on. It's a phone call. I guess they don't have a Zach Morris cell phone anymore at the time. <laughs> I don't know what he's gonna have, but you know, maybe he's like I'm imagining him as like Elon Musk or somebody, like just some crazy like tech guru now or some craziness. <laughs> But it's good. I just can't wait. I I can't wait. Did they? And I should know this. Did they give a date for when this is dropping? I don't think they they said yet, right? It's just this year. It's coming out this year. My guess would probably be around like October. Yeah, that like that's just fall. my guess, just based on you know they they wrapped up filming I think at the end of April, so plenty of time for post production. And with how much teasing they're doing right now, and they're starting that process, you know, we're not even that far removed from when season three dropped. So yeah. I think we're on an accelerated schedule just based on how long the wait was for season three. I don't think they want to, I think they want to deliver, especially now that they have an exponentially growing fan base. I think they want to deliver something real quick. I think the move to Netflix, like we said in the beginning, and maybe this is a good way to kind of wrap things up, but the move to Netflix was I think the best thing for this show because they built enough of an audience on YouTube and and they kind of knew what it was. People were disappointed when they heard that it that YouTube was was dropping it or at least shopping it around. And when it moved to Netflix, I mean, I can't imagine a better place. Like I don't think it would have done as well on like a Hulu or even like an HBO Max, for example, because pretty much everybody has Netflix at this point. Like yeah. I would say it's the most besides Disney, maybe it's the most popular streaming service. It couldn't have found a better home, and they've got the support from Netflix. I mean, this is the type of show that I you would think would do well there, so I'm excited for it. 
It's been doing really well. It was in the top charts for a long time when it came out. And I know, you know, Netflix, just based on what, you know, fans have heard, Netflix is very happy with the show. I am a little bit afraid because I know how cancel happy Netflix can be even with shows that are big hits for them, you know, but I figure if, you know, another Netflix show I like is Atypical. I I feel like if they did four seasons of Atypical, which is a show that I don't hear a lot of people Mm -hmm. talk about, I feel like they got to give Cobra Kai at least three seasons, three Netflix original seasons. Like, and the creators have talked about, they want to do about like six, seven seasons. So that would be right around, but they've also talked about spinoffs, which is something that's been kind of in the air as well, which I would totally be down for a young Crease and young Terry spinoff. Oh, Let me, awesome. you know, I don't even have to say it. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, you, you're right though. I think I've, I've seen something about Netflix where they do, it's like a three season thing. I don't know if it's speculation or whatever, but they say, oh, they owe certain contract yeah. you know, value after season three. So that's where they try to do these three season arcs. I don't know if it's different with the fact that, like you said, it's three Netflix seasons versus maybe three full seasons. I'm very curious to see where this is going to go and if it'll land, but it's ripe for spinoffs. It's got that sort of universe of itself where there's plenty of stories to tell, whether it's old stories or new stories. One one thing that we didn't touch on that I that I I forgot to mention. You mentioned Karate Kid Two was was your favorite movie. Three's Three's my favorite of all of them, even though one is still like the best, I think. But Three's my favorite. I think, uh, but the piece that they did in the last season where he went out to Japan, I love that part and the way that he, you know, connected with, with Chosen and, and he had that re- like reconciliation and they, you know, sort of made up and I just really liked that storyline. And that was one of my favorite parts of the last season besides maybe some of those flashbacks in Vietnam. I thought it was really well done. And it was something that I didn't think, I wasn't sure how they would do that and if it would pay off well, you know, when I heard that it was going to happen. But I thought that they executed that really well. Totally, totally. That To me, I think that's what puts season three over the top as my favorite because that's just like hitting me where I live with Daniel yeah. and Chosen and Daniel and Kumiko and just going back there because I think that movie is so underappreciated. You know, the Karate Kid 3 is underappreciated because of Terry Silver, but I think that movie is underappreciated and it has a lot to do with, with a lot more people than just, you know, one guy. I, I feel right. like... I wanted more of Miyagi's world, you know, where I feel like a lot of people say, no, I want Daniel-san. But I I appreciated that about the Karate Kid too. But the fact that they were able to bring Miyagi back into the show through those letters with with Kumiko yeah. reading them, man, that's, that just like hit me where I live. It's like, oh, yeah. that's the stuff that I love. And I think for that, just the emotional moments of that. And then you're also doing like leading up to like Terry Silver lore and background story. Like, come on. I'm so excited, man. I mean, look, this is this has been awesome just sitting here talking to you about this. Cause I like I said, if there's anyone that I could invite on here and talk about Terry Silver and just our fandom of of Terry and just the karate kid franchise in general. You know, I, I have some friends that like the show. Some folks just kind of dropped off after season one. I've been enjoying it. You know, I, I'm really looking forward to season four and I feel like it's probably going to be the best one yet because it's building up to the stakes are higher. Let's bring in even more people. I'm just so curious to see where this is going to go. And I'm really excited to see if it gets really serious. Like what does it mean for Johnny too? Like Johnny didn't really know Terry Silver or at least that we're aware of. So what does it mean for him? And is it something that, you know, like I think they were alluding to it. Is Johnny going to team up with, with Daniel here? It's just, there's so much speculation that could be done. I'm just really excited to, to to see where it's gonna go. And there are just so many characters that you can see together on screen for the first time 
like Johnny and Terry, Johnny and Mike Barnes, even if Chosen came over and you see Johnny exactly. and Cho- like the dynamic there, it's just like endless possibilities. I mean, they brought back Elizabeth Shue for season three and like that was like amazing. And I didn't like, expect that so great for the season but it's like we've seen these characters together before where i'm really like interested in is characters that have have no knowledge that the other one exists and how they still exist within this world i think to me it just makes the world feel like there's so many possibilities i don't like when people try to make the world smaller by saying oh terry's actually miguel's dad or tori's dad or things like that do that and i don't think they will i think they're smarter than that i i really i really feel that they're smarter than that i and i feel the same way but like i love the fact that and there's still a whole other movie. There's a fourth movie out there that a lot of people don't even think is canon, but they've said it's canon, mm-hmm. the, the next Karate Kid. And Hilary Swank could show up, you know, yeah. in a future season. You know, like that whole thing. There's there's so many possibilities. I think that's the one thing, just to wrap up just my feelings about the show, is that it just, I feel very rewarded for having loved these movies for decades. Yeah, that's it's just paying my, off. It's my, yeah, it's, and I, not that I needed a reward for it, but as a fan, I just feel like the, I've never felt that like reward, that, that rewarding feeling coming from watching something. I've never felt it like I felt it watching, especially season three. And I said it to my wife. I'm like, I really feel like gratified as a fan of these movies to the point where like it, it made these movies even better in my eyes, you know, the, what they have done with this series. So that's just kind of my feeling as a whole. Like, I'm so glad this series exists. (laughs) Like, and now that, now that we get Terry Silver, it's just like the icing on, on the, on, on the, the icing on a very evil, very toxic cake. (laughs) Man, I can hear the laugh in my head right now. You know, the, the the maniacal laugh. So, (laughs) Hey, I just want to say thanks for, for coming on the show, Chris. I mean, like I said, with, with this, you know, there's there's not a lot of Terry Silver enthusiasts that I know personally, and and you're definitely one of them. But I had fun talking to you about this, and hopefully, you know, the listeners, if 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 people have seen this show and if they've made it this far into the episode, uh, I'm I'm hoping that you know people got a got a kick out of this one because it's hard to to do an episode, I guess, on like a TV series on a movie podcast. But I felt like it was something that needed to be done because it ties into some of the other episodes that that we've done and it just fits in in line with with maybe the the theme and and what we kind of do on the show but um you know thanks again for for coming on and I'm super curious if other people have watched Cobra Kai what do you all think you know send us an email the last road podcast at gmail.com go to the website there's a contact form the last road podcast.com Tweet at us at the last row pod, facebook.com slash the last row pod, Instagram. Send us a message. I'm curious, like, what do you think is going to happen with Terry Silver? Are you excited? Am I alone in this? Are me and Chris alone here? We're sitting here. I know that was excited. He's just not here right now, but he's definitely excited. Uh, I, I'm just so curious what what everyone what everyone thinks. And um, I mentioned uh, in, in the beginning, we'll be back next week. We're off this week from a normal episode. You're getting the bonus of, of Cobra Kai. But next week, we'll be back on Thursday, June 24th, and I'll just reveal the movie right now. We're going to do Summer Catch. Bowie just got back from Cape Cod, so we'll see what, what he has to say about the uh, the world of, of the Chatham A's and, and Freddie Prince Jr.'s triumphant return to our show. But we'll be back next next Thursday with with a new episode on, on Summer Catch. But Chris, before we get out of here, anything else you want to you leave the fans with or the, and the listeners? 
I just want to say thank you again. This was an absolute blast. It's it's not very often that you get to appear on one of your favorite podcasts. So this is a, an absolute thrill. It's been great talking to you even before we recorded. And I would just be absolutely thrilled to talk about Cobra Kai anytime you want, even if we don't record <laughs> it. it. It would be a real treat. So thank you again for having me on. Anytime, man. And on that note, we'll see you guys next week, Thursday, June 24th. See ya. See ya. Ha <laughs> ha